My guest today is an art director in the advertising industry and partner and co-founder at Hunter Lamine. Please welcome Jeremy Lamine. Jeremy, how's it going? Fantastic. I can't complain. Thanks for having me. Hey, yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for coming on to the podcast. I appreciate it. So let's jump right into this. Okay. All right, cool. So what do you do? <laughs> well, by trade, I'm an art director in the advertising industry. I majored in advertising at the University of Texas. Kind of found my way into that career after always kind of having a love for the arts and drawing and visual things. I have to admit, I didn't know a lot about it when I got into it as my major, but I'm very, very happy that I did because I ended up loving my job and it's done a lot of positive things for me and I've seen a lot of great things out there in the world. So I'm thrilled. thrilled. Nice. All right. And yeah. so what are your duties and responsibilities then as an yeah. art director? So, you know, the way it worked, my first job out of U2 is at YNR New York. And it's a, at the time, I think it was the biggest agency in the city. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of huge agencies back then. It was really before like technology kind of came in and changed the game up. Mm-hmm. But you basically, as an art director, you're paired with a writer. So you function as a team and you get assignments, what they call briefs from a client. And they basically state what your goals and objectives are for whatever product it is selling and what the key message is that you want to say. So in big agencies, you have all these different departments, right? You have media departments and account services department, and you have one of the most important ones, which is your strategy department. Mm. And they are basically in charge of doing all the research. And then they come to us creatives and say, here's the one thing that we want to say about this product. And they give it to us and we go off and basically we think, I mean, that's our, our, jo- our job yeah. is basically just ideas. So mm-hmm. we'll sit around and we'll just think of what are the most interesting ways to communicate this idea? What are the most memorable ways we can communicate this idea to the public? Things, some things that they haven't seen or aren't familiar with, that'll be surprising. So that's kind of the great challenge of the job. You want to try and do something that's new and, and refreshing um, while still at the end of the day, moving products off the shelves, whatever it is. Okay. Yeah, and that's what I thought of it, it just as several creative and big idea people together brainstorming with yeah. your clients. Okay, so that does make sense. And what you're doing now, you mentioned being in an agency. So now what you're doing mm-hmm. is it a freelance? Yeah. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. So, you know, we worked, my partner, Jason, and I were still partners. Um, he's the only guy I've ever worked with professionally. So it's been a, a really, really good, long relationship that we've had. He's, he's a brother to me, basically, at this mm-hmm. point. But we worked at big agencies throughout our time in the, on the East Coast. And then when we moved back to Austin, he moved back here as well with his family. And we started just doing freelance work for agencies around Austin, New York, Chicago, San Francisco. So at that point, technology was really kind of coming around. This is around 2014, 2015, making it possible to really do a lot of remote work. Mm. But the gig's still the same. And like they tap into you and tell you what the project is and let's just come up with ideas and we have fun just thinking of them. So, so right. it's a good job. 
it's a good job. Stressful, but it's fun. <laughs> and I guess a lot of these are more project-based now anyway. So is it more work for freelance directors? Well, you know, it really depends on who the client is, whether it's an agency or whether it's a private client, because we mm-hmm. do a lot of work for private clients as well. But some agencies, again, I always come back to how technology really has changed the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Facebook and Instagram and all of these different digital social media platforms, messaging has to become a lot simpler and condensed. And clients don't want to always pay for a huge agency or all those bodies. You may not need all those bodies. So agencies have shrunk over time. And so if they run out of manpower at an agency and they need just some people to come in at a certain level, they'll just reach out to us and they know that we can come in, understand what they need and deliver it. And then we're out. So it works for them monetarily and it works for us because it keeps our thinking fresh. We're not stuck on the same client for the entire time. So, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. It works well for both sides, I believe. All right, good. Now you you mentioned your first job out of undergrad and with a large agency and an undergrad, Mm -hmm. I believe you said advertising major. Yep. Okay. And so love of art, advertising major, you put it together and it sounds great, but did it work like that? Or did you have people kind of push you in the right direction and did they come on to school or did you go out to them or how how did it all work for you? You know, it's (laughs) funny, man. I, I, I took a very long route to end up in advertising. Mm. So when I first got to UT, my major was studio art. Again, I just knew I loved to draw. Mm-hmm. Then I discovered you can't make a lot of money as a studio art, for, <laughs> unless you're like a famous artist, right? Which I knew I knew was never going to be. <laughs> so I switched to art history major, fell in love with that, and then realized you have to get a PhD and you know, then again, be a professor. It's a lot of schooling. So at this point, you know, I'm 18, 19. And I'm like, oh man, I'm just being lazy. So I finally found my way into advertising and I I had to take the intro to advertising 318J, which is legendary ET because it's lead out class, huge class, 450 kids. And I didn't take it seriously the first time I was there. So I had to end up retaking it. And then the second time I retook it, I turned in an assignment late and that made me not make the cut Mm. to advance within the creative program, which is what I really wanted to do. So I had to end up taking an intro class three times. Mm. But by the third time, I had become very good friends with the professor because I was kind of like an honorary TA at that point, right? So he and I, Dr. John Murphy, to this day are great friends. And, and he believed in me, man. And at that point, I still didn't know too much about how advertising worked. I was just learning. I was still very early. But he really believed in me. He, he saw something in me. You know, he nominated me for one of the top 50 minority students in advertising nationally, which was really huge for me. Um, and that kind of put me on the radar of some agencies. Mm. Um, so I got, you know, a call from a few agencies and I ended up taking an internship at YNR because there were a couple of fellow UT grads that were working there. Mm. And one of them, her name is Rachel Howell. She took me under her wing as an intern. And during that internship, they extended me a job, which was great. Yeah. But, you know, I had to go back to school and finish the creative sequence. And you know, along the way, I met, you know, a professor named Deborah Morrison. She's now in Oregon, um, but she was in the creative department um, and, and she really inspired me creatively. She was very passionate. Mm. Again, she believed in me and, and she just approached advertising as a very, very sort of human, irrelevant and human 
part of society that a lot of people don't really think about. So mm-hmm. I learned more about it. I had the support of those people and they really kind of just pushed me and guided me. And a lot of times just having those people in hindsight, you realize your life could be very different if you didn't have people who sort of believe in you and guided you. So I'm very fortunate for those two. That's great. That's good to hear. Basically having mentors that, that help you along yeah. the way. Yeah. yeah. Now, how did you feel when you found out that you got the full-time offer? Oh, man, I was excited. (laughs) The jobs were hard to come, you know, around. Like back then, I was scared to tell them that I had to go back and finish school because I was Mm. like, they're offering me a job. And if I say no, they're, but man, they were great. They held the position for me. My mom was excited, of course. (laughs) My baby's got a job. (laughs) You know, my brother Jason was living there too. And my college sweetheart who's now my wife um she was back in connecticut doing grad school so it all just worked out perfectly my you know everything was lining up wonderfully and i headed to new york and and from then it was just work 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 and have fun and and grow it was great so now now art director and how's that transition because just totally different places so going from texas to new york and then new york back to texas how is the transition or is there any real transition at all working in those two different places with the technology and everything that's going on now you know there it's weird man like there kind of is and it's as stereotypical as it sounds things in texas just are a little bit slower yeah your schedules are a little bit more agreeable um you know people if you ask somebody for something, they may get it to you tomorrow, but it's not like in New York where they're like, I need it ASAP. Every email is ASAP, ASAP at the end. But I really did have to get used to the slower pace Mm. here. But it's the good thing about it is there's still some, Austin's such a creative city. You know, there's such great thinkers. And just within the advertising industry, there are some heavy hitters that live here and work here and have their own little shops here. So it's not as if the talent really fell off. Right. It's just a smaller market with, that kind of skewed a little bit more towards like enjoying a little bit of life outside the office. Yeah. I think it's a good move. For us. Right. No, definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So can you talk about what a typical day looks like for you? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. You know, contrary to what most people believe, we don't wake up and smoke weed and <laughs> just play ping pong all day. I mean, that's, see that in all the movies. You know, the day for, for me, the way my partner and I usually work is if we get an assignment, we usually take one to two days where we just think on our own. So, and that can be anywhere. You know, now with COVID, it's usually in my house <laughs> or I go out on the back patio. Um, but, you know, we just start thinking of different ways to attack. We watch a lot of videos and a lot of the stuff we, we watch is just research to kind of, one, make sure that no one's done the things that we're thinking about doing. Two, just to get inspiration. You know, you can get inspiration from really just about anywhere. And that's the beauty of ideas. So we basically just spend a lot of time thinking of ideas and we just write them down. Very rarely do I draw anymore because, you know, you can always just pull stock photography or something from Mm. the web. Um, But unless I'm right next to Jason and like, yeah, if you did it like this and do a quick little sketch. But uh, most of it is really just concepting and, and figuring out the right language and the right approach. How do we tell that story in a condensed amount of time and how do we make sure we include everything the client wants us to include and the things that they don't want us to include how do we make sure that those are nowhere near the story so that's a lot of time spent thinking a lot of time spent researching online and sometimes you hit those dead ends but that's what's great about having a partner because if i hit a wall 
he usually comes through with some ideas that I haven't thought of. And then when we get together, they just get better. So, yeah. Okay. So on a high level, can you talk about just how that whole project works, the life cycle of it from beginning to end, getting in touch with the client and then at the end when it's done and like what the timeline of it is also? Well, timelines are constantly getting shorter and shorter. (laughs) Um, But depending on what you're trying to produce, Um, so if you're doing like a TV commercial, you know, the way it works is there'll be a lot of upfront legwork between this planners and strategists of the agency and the client themselves. So that can take a month just to do all the research, get all the the data. Then we get the brief. And from the time we get the brief, it can be anywhere from a week till we have to present to the client to three weeks or a month. But along those ways, we're having a lot of internal check-ins with our account management people, with the head of creative, and we may even be able to squeeze in like a temperature check with the client. So you're looking about three weeks to a month. I don't think any idea, good ideas are are hard to come by. Um, So I think they need time. A lot of times you think of the bad ideas first and you gotta get work through those. So I think you need a minimum of two weeks for good work. But sometimes time dictates the reality, right? Right. Um, or the reality that it takes time. So at that point, we will present to the client and we'll probably have a second round for after we gain all the client's input from the first round presentation, which may be a week later. And then if they buy something, we then start going into production. So the creative team will get a producer from the agency and they will start reaching out to different directors. And we will talk to the directors that we like, like we'll pick our top three and then we'll get on the phone with them and we'll tell them, Hey, here's the commercial that we wrote and we'll walk them through it. And then they'll get an idea of what they want to do. And then they'll come back to us in a week with a storyboard and their vision of it. Right. So for us, it's like, we come up with the ideas. We kind of share it with the directors. We choose one of the three directors, they get the project. And then we're usually talking about another week or two before we actually go out there and start shooting. And within that week or two, you're talking about finding all the locations, getting all the permits, finding all the casting, Mm. getting that approved through the client. So there's a lot of stuff that happens within that two to three weeks. But once all that is locked down, you go to wherever you're shooting. Most of the time it's somewhere out in LA, just because for them, they're so used to doing the film industry. And then you shoot your commercial usually in a day, maybe two, depending on how complicated and long it is. And then you come back and you have an editor at an editing agency ready to work with the film. Film usually gets to the edit house maybe three days later, four days later. And then the editor has a couple of days to take our original storyboard that we shared with the director. And they will cut together a commercial based on the storyboard. Mm. And we as creatives will go in there and sit in the editing booth and we usually have about three or four days before we show the client anything, but we'll sit there and then we'll just go through takes and just make sure the music's right and all the different takes and make sure the spot is as, as good as we can make it. Yeah. Then we share with the client and usually they love it. And <laughs> then we do any sort of post-production work if we have to do any VFX or, you know, we usually do color We treat the film, we color it properly, we go into an audio house. It's very complicated. I'm sitting here saying it out loud. There are a lot of steps. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But it's fun, man, because the creative process, you get to see all the different people that have these different skill sets along the way. And it's just really mind blowing how good they are at their craft. Hmm. So 
at the end of the day, you have this baby that a lot of people have touched, right. uh, been a part of, and hopefully that you can be proud of. But it usually takes a couple of months, man, two to three months from start to finish. And that's a somewhat quick. That's, that's, that's fascinating. That's great. Now, that's fun. Now, with all that, is it hard for you or was it hard for you at any point to, at the end, just to know that when you're done, that it's, it's done, it's complete, or are you over-editing and continue to make changes? Does that make sense? Like when you see that question. final product, yeah. That's a great question. Mm. You know, I don't think I've ever been 100% happy with anything. Mm. <laughs> There's right. always something I think you can tweak. You may want to tweak and whether you can't because of time or money, or maybe it's just a bad idea, mm -hmm. you know, that you get voted out. We're tinkerers, man. Like that's, yeah. we like to go in there and just, there's always, we feel like we can always make something better. Mm -hmm. But the reality is though, nowadays you have so much on your plate that you have to move on. Right. And you learn that over time. Just okay. Getting to produce something is big enough because that's, that's hard to do. Yeah. That's hard to do. Hmm. Yeah. It's fascinating. All right. And so with all that, it, well, it just seems like a lot, a, a lot that you're doing. <laughs> so what skill sets and characteristics would you say are most important to be successful in your line of work? It's a great question, man. There's quite a few. Number one, and this is a very, just a basic human thing. I think you have to be kind, honestly, because mm. you work with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And if you're kind that it helps with collaboration, people want to work with you. And when people want to work with you, I think better ideas come out. So that's one. I think you just have to be kind. Number two, you have to work hard, man. First few years as a creative you're up till three, four in the morning, sometimes mm. staying the night, especially if you're young. And part of that is because it's fun. You're trying to create something new for the, you know, because you're out of school and you're like, oh, I want to be a creative. So you're trying your hardest really to just create some good stuff. The, the good thing is bosses notice that sort of stuff. They notice the people that work hard. They notice the people that don't complain. So I think that's another thing. You just got to have work ethic and don't show up feeling like you're owed something. The third, as a creative, you've got to have patience. You've got to get used to rejection. 90% of your ideas are going to get rejected, even the oh, ones wow. you love. Oh, yeah, man. You just get used to it. And because we all throw out ideas and we think they're great because they're <laughs> our ideas, but mm -hmm. they can die for a million different reasons that we didn't think about because we were so excited, <laughs> right? And um, the reality is they're going to get killed. For whatever reason, your ideas are going to get killed and you can't take it personally. Yeah. You move on and you try and sell the best version of an idea that you can. Mm -hmm. And part of it, I also think, is just being open to the world, man, because that's how you learn really interesting insights. If you're open to other worlds and cultures and experiences, man, you start to bring something new to the table because we all run the risk of sort of getting too comfortable and doing the expected because we all see the expected. But for those people that go out there and are reading interesting books or travel to cool places, they'll come back and be like, man, I saw these guys doing this thing over here in this part of the world. And wouldn't that be amazing if, you know, we did that with this commercial and then all this to hit. So right. it's kind of like you're always just sort of absorbing stuff that's around you and um, you can't be sort of small minded. Uh, oh, that's a lot. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 that's good. That's great. That's great. Great advice. And I, I really like that. And it makes sense. Uh, and now as far as, you, you know, coming up with ideas and, and you're mm -hmm. talking about 90%, wow, I didn't know it was that high, but 90% of those ideas being uh, killed. 
Has it ever happened where you, one of your ideas was killed, but then you see it somewhere else and ended up doing well? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's funny you say that, man. Have you seen that thing going around on social media right now with Al Green's and the Walgreens thing? Have you seen that? With Al Green and the Walgreens? Yeah. No. So there's a Walgreens sign and, mm. and over the W, they put a picture of Al Green. Oh. So if you take the W where it just says Al Green's instead uh, of Walgreens. Yeah. We actually, we were working on Walgreens and we pitched that idea. <laughs> and we were like, it'd be amazing. Let's just get Al Green. Every morning he's going to come in and start talking to the shop. I can't remember really what the idea was. <laughs> but it was just such a simple idea. And of course, they were like, no, we can't do that. We couldn't <laughs> afford it or whatever. It died internally. It's fine. But then I just saw someone actually did that out in the real world and it's generating all this buzz now for Walgreens. Wow. That's um, awesome. <laughs> well, you know, I'm trying to think. We had, you know, we've, we've had some interesting ideas for Reebok when we were running the Reebok account that died. But, you know, you just move on, man. It's, it's all you can do. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, you talked about your steps, the steps you took to get to where you are your advertising major and then going from there, you're going into the large agency, getting that experience. Also, your love for art and it's helped you to get to where you are now. Is that the typical type of path for someone to get to where you are? Um, not necessarily. A lot of people come out with liberal arts um, or English. I mean, advertising is one of those things that I, I honestly believe anybody can do it. There's like anything else, it's a craft and you have to study and kind of understand why it works, why it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people think they're not creative and I disagree. I think everyone's creative at a certain point. They really are. But you don't have to major in advertising. Mm -hmm. You can major in whatever you want, but they have all of these schools now, like the Creative Circus and Miami Ad School that are sort of postgraduate places that you can go and do like one or two years really building a portfolio so you can go out and get a job. So there's an ad center at, at DCU. So there are places people can go to sort of learn how to get in advertising. And, you know, you could, it could just be because you have a love of writing. And I'm speaking creatively for the creative. You can just enjoy writing and you can end up being a really, really good writer right. in advertising. So, yeah. Okay. All right. And can you talk about what you love about what you do? Absolutely, man. Mm -hmm. There's a certain element of freedom I think this job brings for someone like me I've always been a night owl so I don't have any true office hours which is great my way of dressing formally most of the time depends on which hoodie I'm gonna wear one's a more formal hoodie than the other one. you know like I'm very I'm always physically comfortable my office space can change but one of the greatest perks of advertising is for me besides sort of like getting a, an idea of yours produced it's travel. Like I've gotten to do some amazing travel just through this job. Because a lot of times the way it works out is it's cheaper to produce commercials overseas because of the SAG fees and costs and rules in the U.S. So we've been able to travel to South Africa a few times. Nice. You know, went to Moscow, London, Barcelona. Like we've been able to just kind of see the world, man. And we're so fortunate to do that. And, you know, you think about it, it's because you're trying to sell a little product. But on a personal level, like I've, I've experienced tremendous growth just traveling right. in the world and meeting different people. So it's, it's pretty exciting. It's a good gig. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So 
So what about on the flip side now? I know you mentioned always having to do something new and refreshing and how much technology has changed, but what type of challenges and obstacles are there for you in your business? Well, I grew up kind of approaching each assignment as what's the big idea, right? Like you come up with this big organizing idea that everything else can fall underneath, whether it's TV commercial or print ad or online stuff. And there was always time set aside for that creative process to sort of happen. Uh, You know, nowadays everything is quick. Everything's a little bit more immediate. And the truth is more and more clients are basically doing just Facebook and Instagram posts because you can measure those. You can do them quickly. And it's stuff that they can look at the spreadsheet and be like, hey, this one had more hits than this one. So we're going to drop this one. So that has been challenging because like I said, there's not necessarily a need for a guy like me coming with a big campaign idea because they're just like, yeah, we want to sell this toothbrush. So just give me an Instagram <laughs> shot of a toothbrush and that's all we need. Find the best photo. And then if it gets a lot of clicks, we're good. <laughs> so the need for people like us, um, well, I think still think we're very, very valuable in the long run, but you know, a lot of people are just, they have technology that they can rely, rely on and, and, you know, apply more of a, you know, of money towards than they would bringing in some senior level guys like us. Mm. So the technology part is, is sort of changed the game for us a little bit because mm. um, we feel like we're sort of the industry's drifting away from main consistent ideas that stand time, right. um, which I think you look at the most successful brands, they've really had a message and stuck with it. Geico, yeah. They've stuck with that message for forever. You know, McDonald's has pretty much stuck with their messaging for forever. Yeah. And Coca-Cola, like these are just, they're timeless brands. And people fail to realize that the reason that they're so timeless is because they've stuck with that same message. Right. And they've been true to who they are. So, but now I just feel people are changing because one thing doesn't work this quarter. So they switch. And I just sometimes worry that that helps you lose potential customers because they don't have anything to hold on to in the long term. Hmm. That's interesting. All right. All right. So had a very successful, having a very successful career. And so can you talk about one of your most memorable moments in your career? Um, no, I have two, actually. The first one, we worked on this Disney campaign with Annie Leibovitz and working with her was amazing. Mm. You know, getting to sort of witness her brilliance firsthand was incredible. But we did this wonderful campaign that took a lot of A-list celebrities and sort of reimagined them as Disney characters. And I remember we were in London and we were shooting Penelope Cruz. She played Belle from Beauty and the Beast. And we were in the studio and one of the coolest things, and I don't know why I thought this was so (laughs) cool, but it just was. So in between setups, there was Penelope Cruz. And I believe she was pregnant at the time, but she's wearing Belle's yellow dress and Javier Bardem was with her. And the two of them were just in the corner, like the cutest couple in love, man. <laughs> like, I just remember being like, man, you guys are like huge, huge celebrities. And they were over there like just teenagers, man. It was so adorable watching them. And I went over there and just said, you know, thanks for doing this. They were so incredibly polite and kind. And I just remember that being kind of like a moment where I had faith in celebrities and, and <laughs> humanities because it was just such a, a wonderful moment. And then the other one, which was shocking to me was, you know, I, I was born and, and raised in Sierra Leone, right? Mm-hmm. So I hadn't been back to Africa since we left in the late 80s. 
So my first time I went back to Africa was for a trip, uh, a project we were shooting for Disney and it was, we went to Cape Town. And I remember we were landing early in the morning in Cape Town. I remember just waking up and looking out the window. And when I saw that African landscape, man, yeah. like something happened. I, I started tearing up because I just, it felt like I was back home and wow. I wasn't prepared for it, but it was just a moment that again, thanks to advertising, I, I wouldn't have had, mm -hmm. but it was just a moment where I just saw that landscape and the trees and um, I was very, very thankful for what I was doing. And we had a great time when we were down there. Uh, that's great. Those are two things I can think of. No, this is great, great moments, touching. And that's awesome that advertising your work is able to do that for you. Um, Thanks, yeah. So, you know, we're at the end of this uh, interview. I want to ask you some quick hitter questions for fun. Just to <laughs> All right. know you a little bit better. Before we do that, though, I just want to find out, is there anything else that you want to touch or anything you think I might have left off asking you? Um, no, no, I think you... Well, I will say this. I, I think there is tremendous room for growth in terms of minority representation in advertising, mm -hmm. especially on the creative side. I noticed with the Black Lives Matter movement and just sort of racial awareness, more and more agencies are trying to correct that, which is so great. But I do wish, like when I went through the program, I think I was the only Black guy in the creative program at the time. And UT, you know, is the largest university in the country. So I think there's tremendous room to grow for minorities on the creative side. It'd be a welcome addition. And so I hope people realize it's, it's an exciting and possible avenue to take as well. That's great. And I hope more people listen to this interview and are aware of this. Because I think a lot of people yeah. are just aren't aware. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So let's go to these quick hitter questions. All right, man. <laughs> okay. First one, what's your favorite sports team? Horns football. All right. Long horns football. <laughs> that, man, I, I love them. Yeah. Hook them. Three days, right? Exactly. <laughs> favorite movie or show? Um, I can do one of each. My favorite movie is Snatch. Guy oh, Ritchie. yeah. Yeah. Remember that? Yep, I, I just I I love that, that movie. Uh -huh. And my favorite show is Hands Down the Wire. Oh, yeah. Still, to this day. Yeah, probably the best. You know, I haven't asked this, but I want to ask you this. What about favorite commercial? Oh, favorite <laughs> commercial. Oh, God, that's tough. That's <laughs> tough. Um, I have to say, and I hope this doesn't bring any grief, but to me, I... My favorite commercial was probably the one Nike did with Kaepernick. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Just because I wasn't expecting of a huge company like that to go out on the limb the way they did. And I yeah. think it was so bold of them that I just thought it was, it was just a, a fantastic, very honest commercial. And, and it made me feel good. And then there's another one that Dove did for the moms in the Olympics several years ago that made me cry. That was pretty emotional. That was a pretty good spot too, man. Yeah. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, two great commercials. Yep. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah, that, that mean a lot. Yeah. All right. Favorite musical artist or group? Oh, Amos Lee. Mm. Amos Lee. Mm. And if I had to go group, mm. I would say low-key probably camp low man okay yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think they're very underrated yeah <laughs> favorite vacation spot 
St. John's. Oh. St. John's. Yeah. Love it. It's my peaceful place, man. Oh. Really? All right. I need to check it out. And favorite yeah, food man. or drink? Food. Nothing better to me than a grilled New York strip. Mm. That's my favorite. That's my favorite food. My yeah. favorite meal yeah. is traditional okra soup, West African style. Ah. Beef. That's it. And drink, I'd have to say an old fashioned. Yeah. Favorite drink. Yeah, mine too. All right, man. Well, Jeremy, this has been great. Oh, thank Learned you. a lot about this because to tell the truth, I didn't know much about uh, this industry. So uh, <laughs> this is great. Learned oh, a lot man. about it. And just congrats on all your accomplishments, man. And oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank yep. you so much. Thanks for having me. How, how much fun is this, huh? <laughs> yeah. Good connecting. Good connecting. It is. It is. And hey, is there any way that people can reach out to you or contact you if they have any comments or questions? Absolutely. IG, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. My LinkedIn profile is just Jeremy Lamine, J E R E M Y L A M I N. And our website, our, our little pumpy website mm-hmm. is hunterlamine.com. It's H-U-N-T-E-R-L-A-M-I-N.com. And my email there is jeremy.lamine at hunterlamine.com. Give me a shot, man. I'll, I'll chat and help in any way possible if anyone wants to. Cool. Hunterlamine.com. All right. Yep. Hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate you coming Thank on to the podcast, man. Have a good Thank one. Thank you. All right, man. All right. Cheers. Thank you, everyone. If you have any comments or questions or would like to be on the podcast, please reach out to me on Instagram at Rodolfo Cooper. Thank you. Bye.